You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Tim Link, and I thank you so much for joining us today. Got another great show with a great author talking about a great book. So join us today as author and writer Carol Quinn. And Carol's uh, here today to talk to us about her new book, Follow My Lead, What Training My Dogs Taught Me About Life, Love, and Happiness. So I'm anxious to ask Carol those questions, uh, see if she's uh, figured out life, love, and happiness through her dogs. So we're excited to have her on board. Uh, Carol Quinn will be with us in a moment. We're going to take a quick commercial break, give our sponsors an opportunity to let us know all the great things they have going on. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. The Boo Boo Loon Pet Recovery Collar is an innovative inflatable product that comfortably restricts pets from harming most surgical wounds, skin disorders, and obsessive licking or scratching. It's the humane alternative to the hard plastic cone and other devices. The Boo Boo Loon is easy to use and designed to be soft, fully adjustable, and pillow-like, allowing for unrestricted vision and complete freedom of movement. Sizes range from extra small to extra large. So join the Boo Boo Lution. Become a Boo Boo Buddy on Facebook or check out BooBooLoon.com. B-O-O-B-O-O-L-O-O-N.com. Like your business to reach out and invite in our audience. We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20 second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. Is the best, most cost effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website PetLifeRadio.com. Click on sponsorship information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are. Available. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link. Thanks again for joining us. And on the line, we have author and writer Carol Quinn, who has her recently released book, Follow My Lead. Carol, welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Oh, thank you, Tim. Nice to speak with you. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations on the new book. Thank you. Yes, definitely. So it's a great book, fun book. I love the uh, the subtitle, What Training My Dogs Taught Me About Life, Love, and Happiness. So we're going to quiz you about that in a little bit. Okay. Before our listeners, tell us a little bit about uh, the premise and the storyline of the book. Well, the storyline of the book is I enrolled my um, young Rhodesian Ridgeback, young at the time, in dog agility um, because we bombed out in the show world. <laughs> and we were both um, not, not quite suited for that. So um, my trainer at the time said, try agility. And through the process of agility training with first my 
um, male, Nairobi, and then soon his cousin, Sheila, joined our family. Um, as we trained in dog agility, I began to use the lessons I was learning um, in, the, in the sport of agility to my life, and that's basically the narrative. Of course, I was in a relationship at the time. I get engaged during the story, and I get unengaged <laughs> during the story. Um, I had a very complex relationship with my teacher, who was Eastern European, tough, no nonsense, all about the dog. I think she could have cared less about the humans who were there <laughs> serve the dogs, I think, as far as she was concerned. But she was a wonderful teacher, and she taught me a lot. And during the course of my training, I think the story starts, I think everything's all right in my life, and then through the course of training, things kind of fall apart for me, and one of my dogs gets very sick. And it's a process of, really, it's a woman's journey of finding myself. And in terms of the title, I would say the dogs were not so much following my lead as I was following theirs. And we talk about that all the time. You know, we, we think we train the dogs and we think we teach them to do this, that, and the other thing. But the real deep down life lessons are often taught by the, uh, the dogs and the animals around us. They're a lot smarter than we are. Uh, yes, they are, and they tend to stay the course. They tend to stay focused. And I think it's very suiting the fact that you uh, were teaching them agility training, and I think in, you would agree in life you had to be pretty agile because <laughs> things yes. are going to change daily. They change daily. You have to agile. You have to learn how to face obstacles. You have to know what do you do when you, when you face an obstacle that you don't know how to, to master. It's all these strategies that I learned with the dogs, teaching them how to... It was funny when you start a dog in agility. I, I think border collies enjoy this, but Rhodesian Ridgebacks are a little unusual. They just look at the jump and say, well, what the heck is that? Why would I jump over that? I'll just, my girl, in fact, walked around the jumps all the time with her tail wagging. She thought that was just great. She'd look at the jump and say, I'm not going to do that and go right around it. So teaching the dog to face the obstacle always with a treat on the other end. You know, I just began looking at my own life and all the things that I was walking around and instead of facing and, and you know, jumping the obstacle or, or mastering it, I was avoiding a whole lot of things in my life. And if I was asking the dogs to face obstacles and grow and learn, there was, you know, of course I had to <laughs> ask myself to do the same thing. Well, you see when you read the story, I mean, you've read the book, so you yeah, know it, but it's kind of an arc, and it starts, it's funny, the beginning, <laughs> parts of it are very funny, I'm a complete dope on the agility field, it's not like I'm a trainer, it's funny, someone on Twitter tweeted out the other day, it's a dog book, but it's not just about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and that's very true. It's, I mean, it's just life lessons. Uh, you know, I think it makes us easier when we wrap it around uh, the dogs and the animals in our life. But taking that reflection back on you know, what's really going on in your own life and how do you make those difficult changes. And sometimes the uh, path of least resistance is not always the best path for you. No. Sometimes you find yourself in a complicated situation and you don't have the strategies to get out. And I think that was one thing that my dogs really taught me is just, you know, dogs don't go looking for trouble. <laughs> People do. Yeah, whether we know it or not, we tend to live on that drama, and it's very hard to stay focused on the uh, the positive. So we do. We like those emotional train wrecks and seeing physical wrecks on the side of the road. That fascinates us. So it's, yeah, I think you're right. We look for trouble, whether we like to admit it or not. 
all this was happening, you, you were taking a nice reflection on your life and everything going around you while training the dogs. How did you take all that information inside? Hmm, you know what? I think I've got a book here. I think I need to get this message out. How did that come about? Well, it was a funny process because I didn't, all along the way during the training, I was taught, my, you know, my teacher would teach a lesson. Oh, you know, dogs don't, let's say she would say, dogs don't look for trouble, you know, or dogs need rewards. And then I would be driving home in the car and I would be thinking, gosh, you know, that's true. I need rewards too. <laughs> and so all the people in my life would, you know, everyone wants to be appreciated and loved. So I, I was doing this kind of organically after class. And then about four years into training, I had a conversation with my teacher, Irina, and it was one of our good days together. And I shared with her that um, the whole process of studying agility had become a metaphor for me for my own life and that I was applying all the lessons I was learning or teaching the dog to my own life. And she was listening to me and nodding her head and she said, you should write a book. And I think kept going home that day. I thought, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. And um, strangely, my mother had always said to me, Carol, write a book about the dogs. The way you describe them is so funny. So in the back of my mind, I was thinking, oh, my mother will like this. So um, I just started, and it came. the material came very quickly, actually, organizing the story from the beginning of training to sort of the ending of training with that particular teacher came very easily. The arc of the relationship in the story had, you know, had ended at the right point, and I had enough distance to be able to write about it. My relationship with my fiance Henry, and it came rather quickly. And with nonfiction, you know, you do a proposal, sample chapters, and um, that was that. And we sold it pretty quickly. So that's good. Was it an overall enjoyable process for you? Oh, I'd love to write. I could write all day long. I'm just looking for someone to pay me, <laughs> <laughs> pay me to do it. Yes, I just I love it. I can't think of. Well, for me, it's just the best job ever. I've never had writer's block. <laughs> you can't shut me up on the page. I can't tell you. I can't tell you that I'm always writing, you know, beautifully. But I just love to write. I love it. That's good. And we're going to ask you a little bit later in the show about some of your other writings. We know you've written for uh, for a television screen as well. So we'll, we'll hold that as a little teaser for everyone. So we have to ask a little bit more about uh, your two beautiful babies, Nairobi and Sheila. We know the escapades from from the book. How did the training turn out in the end? And uh, what are they up to now? Well, the training, I mean, Nairobi's getting older now, so I think we were jumping um, 26 inches, I guess, which is their breed size for their breed. He can't really do that anymore. I mean, he's in fabulous shape. Sheila, we've left that one teacher. If you read the book, you'll, you'll see our rather dramatic ending. Sheila, I'm starting training her again as soon as the weather gets cooler, and I want to try lure coursing with her. Her health is amazing. She does have a big health scare in the middle of the book, and she's treated holistically, Chinese herbs, nutrition. I had a wonderful doctor, and she's amazing. And her personality has completely changed, too. She's not the neurotic mess that she was. Yeah. Neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Hmm. I always tell people that uh, where they want to hear this or not, I always tell them if there's a change going on in the behavior of your animal, whether it's an emotional, a mental, or a physical change, take a look within yourself and the family unit because more times than not, there's something going on with your energy or, or someone in the family that's uh, possibly impacting your animal. So true. It's so true. And I, you know, you know this. I mean, I certainly have watched my 
fair number of um, dog whisperer shows. So <laughs> I certainly know Caesar's been telling us this for years. You know, it's not the dog, it's the person. But sometimes the dog's issues and the person's issues does tell. And then that was kind of the problem with Sheila and I. She was manifesting, I think, a lot of my own anxiety, but I think she had a good dose of, of her own. She was just a high-strung girl, and actually so was I. So we did have a lot in common, and I think the the training settled her down, gave her so much more confidence, and it gave me more confidence. The minute she began listening more, she began resisting that urge to take off after the squirrel. She She learned to control her natural instincts and look to me for guidance. I was doing the same thing in my own life, making better decisions, urging my, you know, restraining my impulse to do stupid things, you know, run after the wrong guy. And <laughs> we both grew up together, Sheila and I. There you go. So it's good life lessons. And Nairobi just watched us because he thought we were complete dopey girls. He couldn't figure it out. <laughs> He's the most well-adjusted male I think I've ever met. I mean, he's just a wonderful dog. He's funny. He's athletic. He's always up for a joke. You know, he's mis- mischievous. He's just the best boy. I just love him. He's great. Well, I think a good, smart male, whether it's uh, furry or not so furry, knows when to step back and let the girls <laughs> do their thing. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> that is true. Now, in the book, you have a uh, you mentioned the the trainer, and you also brought up uh, our friend uh, friend of the show, Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. But your trainer was Irina, yes. and uh, tell us a little bit about Irina. And did she have any of the? Uh, did she use any of the techniques that uh, our friend Caesar uses? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> no, they come from totally different schools of thought, and uh, I mean, all trainers, no matter what method they're using. Um, all love dogs and their whole goal is to make the dog's life better and the humans around them. So yes, that was Arena's goal. Um, but she had very particular ideas about dogs, breeds of dogs. Um, and she was a, you know, professional, um, not professional, but had competed in agility for years. So she's, she has a very particular kind of training. It's clicker training. It's, with a border collie, it's not so much treat-driven. Border collies are too smart for cookies. <laughs> they like chasing things. You know, you throw the ball at the end and they go after it. If you do that, if you do a ball for a ridgeback, they just look at it and say, why did you throw that ball? <laughs> yeah, you did throw a Kong ball or something, something with a hidden treat inside. <laughs> oh, and even if they had to work so too hard, they might not even go after it. I mean, ridgebacks are funny. But cookies work, just good treats work. But she was a, it was a combination of clicker training, reward-based training, fun. I mean, she really wanted the dogs to have fun, and her dogs really had fun, and my dogs too. I mean, she was a wonderful trainer. She was ne- I never heard her raise her voice to a dog ever, ever, ever. She was the most gentle trainer with dogs. People, on the other hand, she was very <laughs> Well, as Betty White says, she prefers to be around animals more than she does people. <laughs> I would say arena might feel the same way. <laughs> exactly. All right, Carol, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, but when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Carol Quinn and talk a little bit more about her book, Follow My Lead. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. 
Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash Lucky, L-U-C-K-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. I don't make any decisions about who to hire without going to Angie's List first. You'll find reviews on home repair to health care written by people just like you. With Angie's List, I know who to call and I know the results will be fantastic. Angie's List, which you can trust. Go to Angie'sList.com forward slash rights and get 25% off any subscription. That's Angie'sList.com forward slash rights, W-R-I-T-E-S. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant nut and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery, or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm here with writer and author Carol Quinn. Talking to her about her latest book, uh, Follow My Lead. Now, Carol, we, we talked briefly about uh, the subtitle, What Training My Dogs Taught Me About Life, Love, and Happiness. So I know that your dogs taught you a lot about all of those, but if you had to sort of narrow it down into one general message, what is the greatest thing that they've taught you so far? Well, I think probably the most important thing that the dogs taught me, and I think dogs or animals teach humans, is to stay in the moment and really recognize where you are, not what happened yesterday, not what's going to happen, but what's happening right now. And I think that's kind of a um, Zen approach to this, but that was big for me, staying in the moment, not thinking ahead of where I wanted to be or relating to the past was an important process for me. And then I think the other was just enjoy what you can in the moment, have fun, or whatever you're doing. And, you know, dogs, they're just so funny. They just look to have fun. They don't look for worries. They, you know, they have their, um, when they run into a dog they don't like or something else. Right, right. Um, of course they get upset, but dogs generally want to have fun. And that was actually a big, I know that sounds so simplistic, but it was a big eye-opener for me. They just, even starting agility, they come to the field and they're like, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? You know, what's, you know, cookies, you know, this is new. And I want to approach everything in my life like that. Every <laughs> morning I want to wake up saying, hey, what's going to happen today? Those are the two big lessons, I think. 
Yeah, living a dog's life, I think, is, you know, <laughs> that terminology sort of been viewed over the years as being negative uh, in, in some ways, but it's uh, the best thing possible because you're right. Everything's new to them. Everything's exciting. If they run into some uh, uh, negative issues or negative energy, as I call it, they do their best to deflect that and move on yeah. to the moment, move on yeah. to what they should be doing right now. And, and yeah. as humans, we get, a, we get caught up in this thing called life and uh, <laughs> it tends to drag us down cars more mortgages, jobs, and all this stuff, it uh, tends to get us out of our focus. Yeah, but even, you know, it's interesting because a dog facing an agility course, you start a dog at the start and, you know, sit, stay, you move out before you call into the first obstacle. The dog is not thinking, oh my God, look at the seventh obstacle. I've never (laughs) done that one before. Or, you know, there's a teeter over there. I don't like the teeter. They're not thinking ahead. They're looking at you and waiting for the cookie. And that's the way to approach, for me, life. Yes, mortgages, jobs, bills, and there's a lot of worries in the economy right now, and everyone's kind of struggling. But you can only do one thing at a time. You can just sit at the start line, wait to take the first jump. Then you take the first one, you get a cookie, you move on to the next one. That's all we basically can do is do one thing at a time. Thinking about the future or anticipating disaster or... It doesn't help us. Worry doesn't help. If it did, I would sign up for it because I'm a natural worrier. (laughs) But it doesn't get me anywhere. It doesn't. Task, doing the tasks right in front of me, saying good job after it's done, whether it's paying bills or making a phone call or writing a blog post or working on a, you know, my next book. Just say, take the small little task, do it, congratulate yourself, move on to the next and just, keep going forward the way dogs do and instead of thinking ourselves or thinking myself into a state of anxiety all the time which is is really a waste of time absolutely good advice and good takeaway for the readers. <laughs> yeah i think it's a great thing to do and that's what the uh, uh, readers uh, hopefully will take away from the book as well um, how to enjoy life in the moment not worry so much uh, don't don't take things too seriously just uh, focus on what you need to focus on and get it done now, Carol, you've um, now I mentioned a little bit earlier. You've written uh, also for film and for television, uh-huh. and um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the process of writing for film and writing for television. How is that different than actually uh, writing a uh, complete book? Well, it's shorter, <laughs> it's definitely shorter. Yes, and it's dialogue driven. So, from a writer's perspective. You spend, I haven't written actually a screenplay in a while, but when I was in the habit of doing it, it seemed like 120 pages was the easiest thing in the world. And that was a perfect, natural break. And then the idea of writing a novel, I couldn't see the end. A screenplay format, it's three acts. It's a beginning, middle, and end. There's the, you know, there's a very clear structure to storytelling. And 120 pages is actually really, really short. So it's different. It's dialogue-driven. You have to leave room for... You can't be directing it as you're writing because you have to leave room for... You know, the writer is just one part of the movie-making process or TV show-making process. You're not doing the visual. You have to kind of leave room for someone to read it to go, oh, oh, I know what that shot would be or I know what that would look like. Or So you kind of... Your descriptions have to be sparse enough to let a potential director or let an actor read it and add their own interpretation into it. And the characters have to be revealed 
via dialogue. You, you just have to, and the, and the drama that's taking place between the characters. So it's a very different... I do love writing dialogue, and there's a fair amount in this book. The novel that I was working on, that I wrote about in Follow My Lead, I was working on a novel during the whole thing. That also has a, a fair amount of dialogue, but you do get so much more involved in prose and description in, in a novel format. Just different. I mean, you, have you written a screenplay? I have not written a screenplay. Uh, yeah, I write mostly uh, nonfiction, and my book's uh, a nonfiction book, and the articles I write for uh, animal publications tend to be nonfiction. Right. And, uh, but I know it is totally different, you know, and there's a big difference between writing for also a, uh, a fiction book compared to a nonfiction book. Yeah. And then the market you're, you're targeting. I, I know my book, uh, Wagging Tells Every Animal Has a Tell, very simplistic storytelling, nonfiction type book. But it was geared to a, a wide audience, a, a youth audience all the way up to adults. Right. And I know you've written for a, a youth audience as well in the past. Yes, I have. Yet in publishing, it's, everything's very segmented. And I think, um, yes, I've written graphic novels which were kind of focused for teenagers, teenage girls, actually. I've written also wide, in that whole category, young adults, which has changed over the years. It's gotten a little older and some of the material in YA is kind of racy, actually. Yeah, it's very mature, isn't it? PG-13 yeah. plus, sort of. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because well, the world has gotten a little, a little racier, maybe. Yeah, you know, all of those categories are very different. I did find it difficult to write a memoir. I was sick of saying I <laughs> by the end of the book. That was the one thing. I didn't like that too much. It's very hard writing um, about yourself and... And I think working with my editor at Seal Press was very helpful because I could ask her, God, you know, am I talking too much about myself? And she would say, you know, at certain moments, yes, you can knock it off there, or no, you need to tell us more. So she was a good guide, and I did keep asking her frequently, are you sure people aren't going to get sick of me? She said, no, no, no. (laughs) And hopefully my uh, producer, Mark, is not laughing because I know for my memoir, I'm sure that uh, I would love talking about myself. So. Some of us like it, some of us don't. I would like to write someone else's now. I love talking about other people. That's great. I love to get into your life and but about myself, uh, no, not so much. Yeah, I tend to like that too. I like the memoirs and, and you know, biography type of things uh, in any uh, you know genre, whether we're talking about entertainment or athletes or whether we're talking about writers, whatever it may be. Because I always find it fascinating, no matter what their history was and where the, it's more of how the path, where they get from point where they started to where they are today. How did this happen? Whatever the goal was. It's a fascinating thing to see the process of people's growth and the fact that now we have, which I find a really funny trend, we'll do multiple memoirs. So you have, just like I could, that was one little period of my life. Oh, I have so many more stories. (laughs) I could probably have five more books just about my life and what I've learned and different parts of it. So I don't think I will do this, but others have. I know Chelsea Handler comes to mind, hasn't she? Sure. Like five now. (laughs) They're all bestsellers, so why not keep it? I mean, if people are buying the books and they like hearing about you, then you might as well continue to write about you. <laughs> I, guess, I guess. It's kind of funny. It definitely is. Fantastic. Uh, Carol, we're coming up to the end of the show here, but where can listeners learn more about uh, Follow My Lead and learn more about you? Well, they can come visit my blog, which is followmyleadthebook.com. And I'm on Facebook at Follow My Lead Book. And the book is sold in all bookstores, Barnes & Noble, online, Amazon. It's on download. It's for Kindle and the Nook. And you can find me on Twitter 
at follow my lead CQ for Carol Quinn. Come say hi and love to see you. I'm, I'm pretty active in social media, so you can always get me for a, a hello or, you know, if you, any of your listeners want me to do a Twitter chat or a phone interview, always happy to do that. Talk to a book club. Fantastic. I love it. I love talking to fans. This is the most fun. Absolutely. So everybody, uh, check it out. Obviously, uh, pick up a copy of the book, Follow My Lead, What Training My Dogs Taught Me About Life, Love, and Happiness by Carol Quinn. And follow her on Facebook and Twitter and uh, have some fun with it. So, uh, Carol, we appreciate you coming on the show today and best of luck. And uh, we're looking forward to talking to you somewhere down the road. Okay. Thanks so much, Tim. You're welcome. That was Carol Quinn, uh, author of Follow My Lead. Everybody pick up a copy of the book. You'll uh, definitely enjoy it. So we're coming to the end of the show today. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our sponsors and producers for putting on such a fabulous show and making this all possible. I really do appreciate it. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and the other guests I've interviewed on the Animal Rights Show, and to follow the blog, you can go to Pet Life Radio and check on Animal Rights. That's PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Animal Rights and download all of the wonderful shows that we have and uh, catch up on what's happening uh, with the latest, greatest information on the blog as well. And while you're there, uh, be sure to check out all the other hosts and all the other wonderful shows we have on Pet Life Radio. It's a whole plethora of wonderful entertainment out there. It's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions, comments, ideas for the show or guests you'd like to see, drop me an email. You can email me at Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. It's Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. And I'll do my very best to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and bring on the people that you want to hear from the most. So drop me an email, Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Share it in a blog, article, or in a book. And who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.